Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. It is episode number 100 here for Palace of Pistons. Glad again to be joined by Aaron Johnson and Ryan Pay. And boys, 100 episodes of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Uh, Hey, it's right before the trade deadline. We have a lot of interesting stuff to get into, but happy 100, boys. Yeah, hey, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Excited, excited about what's happened with the podcast. Excited to be able to continue to do this podcast with you boys. It's been a lot of fun. Episode 100, we're bringing the heat per usual. Yeah, and congratulations to Aaron, because you're the original member of the podcast. Right. So congratulations on 100 to you, buddy. Seriously, the first several were done by Aaron, and there were various guests and things, and um, then somewhere along the way, early on, though, maybe it was in the 20s, we, uh, we all came together to form this Palace of Pistons podcast, this crew. But we've got to dive into it, guys. A lot of interesting stuff. Some good, some not so good. And we're going to start with a report that comes from James Edwards of The Athletic. Uh, came out on Friday that Luke Kennard has been, quote, made available in trade talks. Uh, what that reasoning is seems to still be up in the air, but Luke Kennard potentially on the move in the upcoming trade deadline. Yeah, this is something that's kind of unexpected. I made a whole video breakdown uh, about this on the Palace of Pistons YouTube page about Kennard being on the market. So if you're looking for some extensive thoughts on that from me, Uh, You can go check out that video. I'm going to keep my thoughts on that itself pretty short. I'm very surprised by it. It's not something I was anticipating. uh, And it's kind of really come out of the blue here. I don't think it was something anyone was anticipating. It is surprising. It is a little shocking. It's a little weird. um, But here we are. But you got to think, there's there's one of a few things um, that, that could be resulting in this, right? Either... Luke doesn't want to be here, or there's a personnel problem, or the front office is saying, hey, he doesn't maybe fit. Maybe there's a two-guard they want to draft in June. Maybe they want to go in a different direction. So to me, those are the the conceivable ideas, thought process, um, if you will, that, that explain why Luke may be made available in trades. But, you know... I guess, do you guys feel that the Pistons should be entertaining a trade for Luke? I mean, we've talked about it before. We've had mixed reactions to it. I think we've all agreed that if the price was right, Luke was movable. But we've also gone through periods of time where Luke was labeled untouchable. So how do you guys feel about this? And uh, what's the stance for Detroit of should they move him? And if so, at what price? Yeah, I think that... Kennard has been, for me, steadfast in belief that he's part of the future going forward. He's part of the core moving forward. So with the way I look at this, if the Pistons are trading Kennard, they have to be winning that trade. They have to be undeniably 
killing that trade, adding a, a, a big-time piece, whether it's, you know, a top pick or, a, you know, he's, he's putting a package for a top player, something along those lines. I hold Kennard in very high esteem. I think he absolutely fits the timeline of this core as he just turned 23 years old. You can't always have a roster of guys that are 18, 19, 20, 21. You're going to have to have some older guys in there at some point. And Kennard is not old. Again, just turned 23. He's a young player that has posted career highs across the board this season, 16 points, four uh, assists, three and a half rebounds per game. He's shot in 44% from the field, 40% from the three-point line. So he's efficient while he's taken on a bigger role this year, showcasing that he is more than just a shooter. He's a bona fide scorer who's grown immensely as a playmaker and distributor. He helped make the Pistons tick earlier on in the season when they were playing well and he was healthy. And once he went and got hurt, things really started to go off the deep end for the Pistons. So he had a huge impact on this team when he was healthy. And I get maybe there are some injury concerns with Kennard. He's missed, what, about 80 games uh, over these last two seasons combined. And, and that's a little bit worrisome. But, you know, he's getting a lot of time off here to get healthy. He's been given that opportunity I think he is a player that you hold on to unless you are getting back something of absolute value where you are surefire coming away in a trade with a win in that deal. And it's just tough for me to see that happening the way the trade market has been talked about so far this offseason, or not this offseason, this trade season. And I'm just, I just don't think it's going to happen. It doesn't sound like a plethora of trades are going to be made over this next week. So I don't know how much I buy into the Pistons being able to come away fleecing a team in a Kennard trade. So for me personally, the way I look at it is that they should be holding on to Luke Kennard and, and continuing to move forward with him as a foundational piece of their future unless there is something going on that we don't know about that is the reasoning behind Kennard being on the market. I have always been on the side of Luke Kennard is almost untouchable. He is a foundational piece. Um, and my stance really doesn't change on that. I, I view Luke as a guy you move forward with Seku and Bruce without question. For me, it really, it's been it's Seku and Luke and then everyone else is pretty expendable. Um... But like you kind of touched on, Aaron, we don't know all the ins and outs of the front office and the franchise and the team and what's going on. Uh, but man, Luke is just someone who is growing and getting better and better. And I can't imagine trading him unless the return is very solid. It has to be. I mean, he's not untouchable, of course. He's as close to untouchable for me as it can get without being untouchable. But man... The, the return, if if he is being going to be moved, better be quite the haul. Is is Luke extension eligible this offseason, restricted free agency? No, I think that's next offseason. I I'm believe correct. that's next offseason. I don't I know. know. I'm saying with the I question too, but... I'm not the kind of guy that follows all that kind of stuff very closely. But if is do you guys think half the concern, or part of the concern no. is maybe the... He's he's extension eligible this, this se- off oh season. Bilateral t- knee tendonitis 
extension eligible? Do you want to put big money into him? Maybe this is a time where you say, hey, we've got some concerns about the kid's knees. He's already not you know, a tremendous athlete. I mean, maybe it is just uh, let's put it out there and see what teams will bite on, you know? What are you willing to pay him? If you, if you extend him this offseason. Gosh, I, I mean, I don't know what a, a even realistic number is. I think he's... God, I don't know. What do you range him at? What, what do you see his value at being? I mean, it is a tough question because it, it kind of all depends on what do you value him as. Do you think he's a starter-level player long-term? Right. Do you think he's a six-man? Do you think he's a seven-man? I mean, you see like a... A fourteen, fifteen million dollar player. I would, I would say probably. I have to believe he believes he is. I think, maybe, and maybe that's issue. You bring up a very, very interesting point, Brendan, on the money and the injury concern. Because maybe with the injury concern being extension eligible, the front office doesn't see him right worth as much as he thinks he's worth. You're dumping the Andre, or you're dropping the Reggie contract. You might be dumping the Andre contract, like. Maybe you say, hey, you know what? We're not trying to put big money in the You're paying Christian from. Wood, whatever his value is. Right. And now and we were got- talking about that before the pod. I mean, is he a, a $7, 8000000 million player? Are you paying him anything more than that? Like, are you going to so, dump $9, 10 $11 million into Christian Wood? So when you and if, about- if Christian Wood's commanding 10 does Luke only command 14 Maybe he's 16 17 So, so just think looking about- at some of the rookie scale extension in these past, you know, the past year or so, looking at a couple names, is Karis LeVert three years, fifty-two and a half million, and Dejounte Murray four years, sixty-four million. Canard's probably in that price range, I would say. Right. I personally, Karis LeVert's only getting fifty-two million over three years. That's still good money, no doubt about it. But that's so not that almost sixteen and a half or so. That's yeah, just over seventeen. Seventeen. So, seventeen. Yeah. And, and is Kennard a better player than Lavert? So that probably puts Kennard at what sixteen million. Are you willing to pay Kennard sixteen million? I am. I think I am, but you know I am too. But now with this whole trade talk, maybe the front office just isn't. If you're the front office and you know what it's like to spend money on injury-prone guys, do you want to lock up another injury-prone three, guy? Four years of injury-prone guard? Like, I'm are just we, are saying. We, are we sure that he's an injury-prone player? Maybe he's not, but knees are a, a tough thing to, to just get past. It's not like you know what he broke his wrist. He comes back. He's fine. Like you, you just don't fix your knees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like a knee breaks, you recover, and you're good, and it's just, it was an accident. Like, this could be something that lingers for forever. Ever. Now, maybe it won't. Maybe yeah, maybe, goes, maybe it's nothing. He's he you know, he, he able to recover. He gets his knee you know, cleaned out, scope, whatever he's got to do. He, he can take the, his cortisone shots, and he's fine. But it, it just... That's a concern. So, so Kennard and his agent come in in the offseason and say, "We want the, the the Murray deal, four years, sixty four million, or we're gonna play out the season and see, and see what happens." What do you do? I'm giving him the money. You guys, it's well established. I think everyone who listens is well aware. Big Luke Kennard guy. Yeah, I, I think he's worth the money. I think he's a very solid player. He's a great piece to have going forward. I'm giving him the money. 
but I'm almost positive my mindset is different than the front office's. Well, and that's fair. I, I think I'm in the same boat. If you get to that situation where, especially if you see Luke come back this season and play and play at an exceptional level, even if it's not crazy numbers, just like you can see physically he's able to perform at the level you need him to, yeah, you give him the money. But, I mean, after the trade deadline, Casey said that's when he plans on having him back. I saw that. That's what was put so, out there. So maybe this is a hey. Maybe you just kind of, you know, you dangle like the low-hanging fruit. You go out and you see, hey, what will somebody just pay for him? What will somebody pay for him? And if it's not worth it, you don't got to move him. But, you know, as Stan Van said, I think at one point, you answer every phone call. You take all the phone calls. Hey, Mike Benajay for LeBron James. Yeah. That was the Stan Van Gundy trade idea. So you, you, you have that phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's getting that money if, if I'm the Detroit Pistons front office, and yeah. that's the situation I'm presented with in the offseason. Uh, not that they have to extend him this summer. They can certainly play it out like what usually happens and go into – his restricted free agency next offseason and go from there. That's usually what tends to happen. Mm-hmm. But if you know he comes in or the Pistons want to engage in extension talks, paying him $16 million a year, that is something that I am more than willing to do because I look at the type of player Kennard is, and he is a very good basketball player. Like What he brings offensively is something that this Pistons currently – could very much use right now. And earlier in the season when he was on the court, we got to see Kennard fully unlocked, fully unleashed, and there were 30-point games, there were double-doubles, there were you know super long-range three-pointers, there was all of it. And that's the kind of player you want on your roster. Right. And for $16 million, that's not a gross overpay by any stretch of the imagination. That's someone you lock up. He comes off that deal at what, 27 years old, then you can make a decision on, you know, what his value is, how he's held up. But at 23, when this franchise is clearly future-driven at this point, you, you, yes. you take that, I don't even know if I want to call it a chance because just he produces when he's on the court. Mm-hmm. You, you sign that contract. You know, obviously Luke made available in trade talks and the trade deadline's coming up this week. Detroit's been active in trade conversations. They've talked about Dre. They've talked about now Luke. Everybody but the Pistons have talked about Derrick Rose possibly being traded. And the big question is, what will the Pistons do, if anything? Will they make a move? So my question to you is, does Detroit make a move at the deadline? And if so, who gets moved? I am predicting that Derrick Rose will be traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. I think that Detroit gets back a pair of second-round picks. you got to remember that Philadelphia is a team that has not only first-round picks available, but they have a ton of second-round picks available. So those are assets that, for them, they're very comfortable moving. And I know we saw the reports that Detroit was, you know, they were requesting a first-round lottery-level pick for Derrick Rose. And I just don't think, one, that that makes sense because a lottery team shouldn't be trading for Derrick Rose. And two, I don't think his value is necessarily that high. He's a good player, no doubt. But getting a a lottery-level first-round pick, 
It's just not something that's going to happen. Now, what if you throw Luke Kennard in with Derrick Rose? Do you get a lottery-level first-round pick? Well, yeah, I mean, I would hope so. Christ. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Is that why Luke's available? To try to bring in another first-round pick? I mean, maybe. But I think I think it was, you know, James Edwards in his report mentioned that the Pistons were, you know, pot- could potentially put him in a deal with Andre Drummond if they were to move him. Yeah. So just to go back to my Rose trade, I, my, my final – my final trade construction looks like this. Derrick Rose and Kyrie Thomas being traded to the Sixers for Zaire Smith, Mike Scott, and two second-round picks. The Sixers have second-round picks this year, next year. They they even own some of the Pistons' second-round picks, so the Pistons could be looking to get some of those back. But they have a ton of picks to work with. I'm not going to go into the exact second-round picks that the Pistons sure. should get. That's you know that's yeah. not something that truly matters at this point in time. But getting a couple second round picks back for Rose, you get a Zaire Smith, who's a young player that has some upside, and then Mike Scott's a holdover. You know, just, just it's just a salary. It just makes the trade work. Well, Aaron, you went very in depth there. Um, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, I was not prepared for that. I didn't mind that at all. I think you're very spot on with your analysis of what Rose gets you back, because yes, the Pistons are looking for that lottery level first round pick. I don't think it. Ne- I don't think his value is necessarily that high. I'm in agreement with Aaron there. So it's an interesting thought. Um, that's a very solid trade. I feel bringing in the assets and a t- couple second round picks. Um, Zaire Smith, take you know, I guess taking a flyer on a young guy who has some upside. I mean, maybe and then your filler. You need your filler in the trade, Make the money obviously. Work. Now, someone who I absolutely don't think will be here after the trade deadline is Markeith Morris. I think the Pistons are very much looking to move on from him at this deadline. He is a player that can help a, a playoff team coming off their bench. Um, when all the ruckus and the hubbub and all of it came up, why isn't Sekou playing? Why is Sekou out? And every person in the know was seemingly saying, wait until after the trade deadline, he will be in the lineup again playing mm-hmm. a lot of minutes. That infers to me, I mean, I know we saw today, post or pre-deadline, he's back and starting playing a lot, but Marquise Morris was out injured with his hip. So, he is someone I don't see sticking around. The Pistons are going to make that move. He's someone who can help a playoff team coming off their bench. All the people in the know, like I said, between wait till after the deadline, Seiko will definitely be in the lineup. That infers to me, Markeith Morris definitely will be on the move. Teams are asking about him, and mm-hmm. they should. He's playing solid basketball right now. He can help a contender. Absolutely. I don't have a trade put together and a team picked out like Aaron did with Rose, but I definitely believe that Markeith Morris will not be here post-deadline. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay that you don't have a trade put together because guess what? I put one together for you. How about this? What a guy. How about this? The Pistons call the Clippers and say, look, you own our 2021 second-round pick. We would very much like that back. So we'll give you Markeith Morris, who's having a his a career year from outside the arc, shooting 41%, provides you with another big down low, which you need because you don't have enough serviceable bigs. You give us back that 2021 second-round pick 
throw in Jerome Robinson, who you don't use, you don't need, and quite honestly probably isn't an NBA player, and we'll go home. How about that? Get that 2021 second round pick back. I'm not mad at that's it. That's probably a what? That's that's probably what? A, a 30 to 40 pick? You know, a 31 to 40 yep, range pick? Yeah, probably. Yep. I mean, probably it is. So say, give us that and you can have Markeith Morris. I'm not mad at it. Like, he's, it. He's not going to fetch you some great deal. No. But if you can get an asset like that second round pick back, I, 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 I'm all for it. So I'm not mad at it. So to kind of go along with, I agree 100% that Markeith will be gone. I still think Langston Galloway will get moved as well. Just a team looking for another wing and a guy that you could still move. Um, so I'll, I'll see if Aaron's going to maybe try to construct a deal for Langston or maybe a combined Markeith and Langston, even though that might be tough to pull off trying to match salaries, depending what you bring back. The other thing is this. I think if Derek Rose or Andre Drummond get moved, it's going to be with Luke Kennard paired with them. Either Luke Kennard gets paired or none of them move. Um, because I think you've seen you're not going to be able to really get what you want for Dre. And and, and is Detroit going to settle for that Philadelphia deal where you're bringing back some second-round picks for D-Rose? Maybe they will, but at the same time, they also could be saying, well, Bruce is still our guy, and we need another point guard, and we have D-Rose on a friendly deal. We can move D-Rose another time. We don't have to move him right now. So uh, I think if one of them gets moved, you're going to see Luke attached in that deal to try to get you something a little more attractive back and push along your rebuild. Um, I don't know about Rose. I, 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 You're not wrong. I just I don't know about him being included in Rose, but definitely with Andre. If they're going to move Andre, Luke Kennard would definitely be involved. And, and that might have been even just a move of almost desperation, like, hey, Atlanta... Yeah, call them back up on the phone. Get that first-round pick out here, and we have a conversation. You know? Man, Trey Young, Luke Kennard, Andre Drummond. Okay. All right. Andre Hunter with them? Yeah, jeez. That's that's a bit of a young team. That's exciting. I don't hate that at all. So. For for Atlanta. For Atlanta. Right. So it's like, huh, interesting. Okay. Maybe there's something there. Um so I don't know. I feel like Luke's going to be included if you move one of the big pieces. I think Markeith will go because he has to. You, know, you don't want him to play over Seku. Um, and there's just no spot for Langston, especially with the emergence of Svi uh, and the way he's Svi playing. Svi has to be getting the minutes he's at this point. He's got to be getting the he minutes. He has to. He's playing so well. I'm enjoying Svi so much right now and watching him play and watching him develop. He has to be the one getting the minutes. And he is. He is. But it has to continue. I mean, down and he's that doing road. it offensively and defensively. I mean, the guy, the guy's getting in passing lanes. He's pushing in transition. He's scoring at the rim. He's hitting outside shots. I mean, he's doing a little bit of everything. Not by uh, mistake. He's playing in what the Rising Stars game or whatever they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, whatever. Know. Yeah, the Rising Stars team game for the international team. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I don't. He's he's just a joy to watch. His his development this season has been. One of the bright spots. Yes. One of the very few bright spots. Especially because early on, I was like, I'm still not sold on Svee. Like, I just don't, 
Yeah, I don't know. He's not doing anything for me. Like, is that a guy you're going to rely on in the second unit? Is that a guy that could start for you if you need somebody to start? I, but now, yes, yeah, I'm I'm sold that Svee could be a part of this uh, a part of this future. We talk about those young guys you keep around as you rebuild. Svee's a guy like, yeah, I like him. Let's keep him. Aaron has finished the trade he so meticulously worked on. He was busting his butt over here. So let's see what he's got. So you're calling up the Toronto Raptors, right? Toronto, they've been barraged with injuries this year. Norman Powell's had a great season, continues, though, to get hurt. And and they're going to need some more depth on the wing. Some of the guys they signed in the offseason, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, uh, a certain player by the name of Stanley Johnson, they haven't lived up to the hype. The and hype. <laughs> the the hype. hype. Jeez Louise. They need... Some more the depth. Hi- what hype? I just want to know what My hype. hype. My hype. What My hype. hype, damn it. So they need some more depth, right? How about Langston Galloway? Only on the only on the books for the rest of the season. Shoots, defends. He's a little bit small, but they like to play, you know, two, three-guard lineups anyway. So you say, listen, we'll give you Galloway to make salaries work, to make rosters work. We're going to have to throw in Tim Frazier. You send us back... Hollis Jefferson, Patrick McCaw, and your 2020 second round pick, and you can get your upgrade and your depth on the wing. I don't love the trade personally, you know, for the Raptors, honestly, but trying to find a team that has the money and, and can formulate a worthwhile trade to add Galloway isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do. I, you know, just because Galloway is kind of one dimensional in the sense of. He can score, shoot. He defends, you know, adequately, but he's not known for it. So I I thought this was a fine trade. You get a second-round pick out of it in a weak draft class. I mean, why not? You get to take a stab at a young young player in the draft and see how it goes. It's not a terrible trade. I don't know if I'm pulling the trigger on it. Um, But it's definitely not the worst trade. I mean, I get behind it. I don't know. You know. All the it's hype. there. It's there. Does that trade bring but hype? I'm, what? Okay, a Langston Galloway <laughs> trade is not going to bring any hype. No juice. Just no. like a Markeith Morris trade is not going to bring any hype. They're, those these are, those are moves that just aren't going to bring any juice, but maybe are necessary moves to make. That Langston trade, it's there. You get the asset in the second round. You get to take a flyer. We'll see. I'm not mad at it. Like I said, I don't know if I'd pull the trigger on it, but... It's there. And, I, you know, we, we kind of go through, we talk about things we want to hit on during the podcast and things like that. And one of the, the topics I guess we have listed here is, are there any Pistons you'd prefer, that, I should say, are there any Pistons that have been included in trade talks that you prefer not, you know, leave the roster, prefer not be moved? And I think we might all agree that Luke Kennard is that guy. But outside of Luke Kennard, is there a guy that's been rumored in trade talks that you'd prefer to see stay? D. Rose, Andre, Markeith, Langston. I'd say those probably are the big four guys. Then Luke would be the fifth. But those four guys, would you prefer that one of them stay on the roster or are you completely on board with go? Because I think we all agree, Luke, yeah, we'd like to see him stay and we'd like to see what he could do as long as he's healthy here in Detroit. Yeah, that was going to be my answer was Luke. I think one other guy, if I had to pick one, 
that I would prefer the Pistons hold on to is Markeith Morris. And that's really because he's on a very cheap contract. He has a player option for next season. And he's played pretty well to the point of, when you look at the rest of this roster right now, they don't really have a four outside of Seku. So whether, you know, if they trade Markeith Morris, they're going to need to get back a power forward or open up a roster spot to add a power forward because him and Seku are really the only fours on the roster unless you're going to play Tony Snell there or you're transitioning Christian Wood to play a power forward, which doesn't look like the case. So I guess for those reasons, I would say hold on to Markeith Morris. He's also a guy that He's played well enough this season. He shot the ball very well, 41% from beyond the arc, a career high from him uh, in that regard. But he's played well. He's not had a you know a bad effect on the locker room by any stretch of the imagination or anything like that. That's a guy that you can hold on to. And if you go into the offseason and let's say you draft a power forward or you go into free agency and you sign a power forward or two that you want to give minutes to, Markeith Morris, for his contract, is going to be a guy that you can move, whether you move him in the offseason or you wait till the, uh, you know, wait until some point in the season next year. It just gives you an option. And I think holding on to him so he can play uh, the rest of this season would be something that I would consider doing. For me personally, there really isn't anyone I'd want to hold on to. I mean, outside of Luke Kennard. Um, but even then, if the front office and the franchise, they know something that we don't know, then so be it. But I mean, other than that, I have, it's not going to bother me to hold on or to get rid of Derrick Rose or Markeith Morris or Langston or Andre. As much as I enjoy watching Derrick Rose and as fun as he's been and he's awesome, for reasons we've discussed on previous podcasts, the timing just doesn't fit. So, my feelings would not be hurt if anyone on this team got moved, honestly, outside of Seku. Yeah. Not that they're looking to trade anyone and everyone on the team, but the only person that would really ruffle my feathers being traded, honestly, at this point, is Seku. I feel you. It's, it's kind of like, there's no one else. I mean, even Christian Wood that I enjoy watching play, and he could do some good things. Like, even watching the game uh, uh, versus Denver, where Detroit, big win. Why are we talking about selling at the deadline? They should be buying after that big W. <laughs> An overtime victory over one of the top teams in the West who may or may not have been playing without three or four of their top players. Bye-bye-bye. Uh, so, I don't know why we're not buying. That's a big win, but, you know. Go since... get your Fred Van Vliet in the offseason, guys. Yes. So, uh, nonetheless, now that I've completely lost my train of thought on my own fault... Um, You're talking about trading Christian Wood. Yeah. Christian Wood struggled defensively in that game. He was getting frustrated, too. I mean, we were watching it. He goes out, he hits a three. I think he put the Pistons up 87-84. Goes into a timeout. He goes to the bench, and he's mother-effing himself. He's pissed because he had just gotten burned defensively. Hence why Thon played in overtime. Yeah, that is why Thon was in. So, you know, it's like, yikes. But... That's another discussion for another day. Yeah, I was just giving my answer off of like the guys that we we've talked about and heard about in trade rumors. It kind of is a different question if you're talking about just the roster in general, which is kind of where I would want to hold on to a Bruce Brown. Uh, you know, I really think highly of Bruce Brown. 
I know there's some varying opinions on him, but I look at the game he had against Denver where he finished with 19 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists. The three ball was dropping for him, which it has consistently done so for him this season. I mean, he had three triples against Denver, and that's a guy that can play the one or the two, is young. I really like him moving forward. That's a guy that kind of falls in the same boat for me with Luke Kennard, unless you're getting back something uh, you know that's a big win for you. I'm not too interested in trading him. But my answer on Morris is mainly out of the guys that we've heard about in the trade talks, the trade rumors. Last thing I want to get into here on the pod, it was really nice to see Sekou in that first half versus Denver get back into rhythm and be involved on the offensive end. 17 first half points. His final count, though, was 17. Really was deferring, not as active offensively in the second half. I mean, he was playing minutes. It was He was out on the floor, out through the fourth quarter and stuff. But just never put points on the board. He had a couple of passes that got tipped away, a couple he dropped. But it was nice to see in the first half a very assertive Seiko Dubuya. And these talks of him going to the G League hopefully just wither away. Yeah, definitely not a thing that needs to happen. I get that Dwayne Casey not playing him in Serrano to give him a, a day in game to just breathe just watch the game and focus on watching and learning rather than having to be ready to go out and play. I can get that. I can get behind that. That's fine. But sending him down to the G League when you're as bad of a team as you are, that would just be a terrible decision. Let him struggle on the main roster. And when he's, you know, obviously he's not always going to struggle because he goes out against Denver and puts up 17 in the first half and helped lead the Pistons back into the game in the first half. Right. You know? So that talks of him going down to the G League are just, it's buffoonery. It's, it's not yeah. he, he is a guy that needs to be involved. You saw that today. For the past, what, week and a half or so that he's been struggling, two weeks, whatever it's been, he has been very passive, but the team hasn't been involving him in the slightest on the offense. Today, he was active, he was being involved, he was more ball dominant in a sense, and that is when Seiko thrives. He needs to be a part of it. It's not just him standing in the corner. That is not his game. That is not going to get him developed. That's not going to get his mind into the game. That's what he needs to be a part of the offense. Honestly, it has been infuriating the past two weeks watching him play. And it's not necessarily his fault because he has not been involved in the slightest by his teammates. They're basically playing four on five on offense the last two weeks with him in there because they don't even look at him right that's what was so infuriating and you saw today the change he was involved more his teammates got him involved and Seku was infinitely better now in the second half you saw the younger player in him come out he definitely deferred a lot more and that'll come with time him taking over the game him getting that confidence that's going to continue to build over time he's still the youngest player in the league I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is getting him involved to make him comfortable, to get him growing, and that is what needs to happen. And that's what happened in the first half. If Seku is involved and he's aggressive and assertive on offense, I mean, we've seen how good he can be. I mean, how talented the kid is. So you just have to hope, yeah, those G League conversations are done. That does not get brought up again because that's just, just idiotic to say the least. Um, you know, and who knows? Maybe Sekou will lead Detroit on a charge back to uh, 
you know, relevance and they'll buy at the deadline and say who will play it. in the playoffs. Oh. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Fight for the AFC. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. Detroit Pistons, the city where we fight for the eighth seed. Back-to-back years. That would be terrible. So, that being said, boys, anything else? I mean, it's kind of uh, the deadline's upon us. We've talked the deadline. There's really not many other storylines to talk about with the team right now. It's just, that's kind of where we stand on things. We've talked about the deadline for months because of how these these trade talks have started. So, we've been talking about this stuff since the beginning of January. And it's finally upon us. Finally. Next podcast is where things could potentially get crazy. Or I, be dull because they did nothing. I want to say buckle up, but it sounds like this trade deadline could be very boring. Just make sure your seatbelt's like accessible. <laughs> just be ready. Just be ready. Just in case. Just have a hand on it, you know? Yeah, just in case. That's all. You don't got to buckle it in, though. I mean, it's a quick ride. So, with that being said, boys, happy 100. Pistons fans, thank you for all your support of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Of course, check out the website, palaceofpistons.com. You can check out all the platforms for the podcast, uh, whether you're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever. You know, but make sure you like and rate, review, subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. And, uh... You know, hey, keep interacting with us. Let us know your thoughts going into the deadline. And hopefully we have some interesting stuff to get into next week. So that's it. Episode 100 in the books. We will see you after the NBA trade deadline next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.